Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Sal Dietrich, and Ed Melick is away this week. Uh, folks, the Boston area is a place where the homeless, the hungry, the forgotten, mix with the highly educated and the affluent. Pastor Sarah Harrison McQueen from Central United Methodist Church is on the front lines of helping the least of these in the Boston area. Her small congregation is implementing a bold and exciting plan to rebuild their church and to start a nonprofit organization that will build affordable housing and expand their mission in Boston. We'll talk tonight about the homeless, the hungry, this amazing call to action, and get some insight into how we can all get involved in small and big ways. So stay with us. Before we jump in with Pastor Sarah, I want to give an invite to listeners to hear some of the great calls to action from last week's guest, Pastor John Sly of Grace Community Church here in Arlington. He asked each one of us to take up a season of hope in our communities, our personal lives, and our faith. You can hear the entire interview on gracein30.com on our website or on Twitter at GraceIn30. Let's jump in now with Pastor Sarah Harrison McQueen. Sarah, welcome to Grace in 30. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great. Great to have a fellow uh, future DJ in the booth with me tonight. So not just a pastor, but also uh, soon to be show host here on uh, 96.7 FM. Look, uh, your church is doing something incredibly bold starting this year. You know, this nonprofit, you're going to rebuild the entire property with a goal to serve the poor, expand your mission here in Arlington County. Tell our listeners exactly a little bit about what's going to happen at Central United Methodist Church this year. Sure, I'd be glad to. Well, first, I'll let folks know where we are. We are located across from the Boston Metro Station. And when I tell people that, they usually kind of smile and nod their head. And then when I say, do you know where IHOP is? That's when people actually know where we're located. So we're there on Fairfax Drive across from uh, the IHOP and from the Boston Metro. And it's a location that sees a lot of traffic. It sees a lot of residents who live in that area, people who work in that area, and also people who live in that area because they sleep on the street. So about 10 years ago, the church really opened its eyes, and they turned outward, and they saw the need for um, helping those in the neighborhood, and it has launched a vision and a passion and a heart for this congregation to serve people. And so it's led them on a a long journey over the last 10 years to where we are today, which is we have launched a brand new nonprofit organization, the Boston Station Housing Corporation, and we are going to be completely changing what is on our physical structure. We are planning in the last quarter of 2017, so just over a year from now, to tear down the current structure and over the next two years to build a new facility that will include worship space, preschool space, and also 132 apartment units. And that way we can provide affordable housing in our community. That's incredible because, you know, affordable housing uh, is a hot issue in Arlington County. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, you know many people believe there's a lack of it. Uh, that some people believe it's holding back our economy here in Arlington County, and you know it just strikes me in your mission to serve. Uh, you know that you folks have decided to dedicate a portion of you know what is not a huge amount of real estate nor a large congregation to serving affordable housing. Uh, you know let's let's talk more about that because you know. What really led you to this point of, of what we call grace, these sort of acts of service that you know are undeserved, un, un, unsought, you know, and, and to serve the least of these 
And I know you wanted to touch on some of the principles, uh, being a Methodist church, of the Wesleyan tradition. Absolutely. Well, it's all grounded and rooted in prayer. So this congregation was really blessed to have a guest about 10 years ago, Bishop Peter Story, who's a Methodist, who's a bishop from South Africa. He came and he helped the congregation take a prayer walk to open their eyes to the people in their community. And they had already been doing wonderful mission in the in the world, but they didn't have something right here in Arlington and Boston, touching the people literally outside the doors. And so Bishop Story uh, took the congregation on this prayer walk and it was that that sparked a Friday breakfast. So every Friday morning, my predecessor, Reverend Richard Cobb, would bring some donuts and hot coffee. He'd open the doors and he'd welcome our neighbors who'd been sleeping on the street the night before. They would come in and find hospitality. They'd find warmth. They would find friends. And it began this amazing mission. And so our breakfast has grown over the 10 years that we've had it. That's not just donuts and coffee anymore. And this is what started the passion for people who are hurting in our community. It really helped the church learn what broke their hearts. And so they realized that they have done the first step, acts of mercy. And the next step is acts of justice. So they realized that not only do they need to feed the people and help folks find places to live, they had the capacity to provide places to live. And so that's the short version of a a 10-year spiritual journey that the congregation has been on. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, more than anyone, I think, you folks right there uh, in the corner in Boston see this unique combination of people who are they're on the street looking for food or, or you know, charity, a donation. Uh, the well-to-do who go to, you know, the high-tech who go to DARPA and other places. And you see how people mingle every day. I can't think of another place in Boston where that exchange happens and, you know, probably the insights that you folks have had there. Let's stay on this, this Wesleyan uh philosophy because you know i know that uh, it may not be john wesley himself but it was sort of attributed they say you know you know do good you know do no harm you know stay in love with god but he also says you know attend upon all the ordinances of god is that one of the sort of i guess the creeds of the methodist church and Mm -hmm. and sort of what called you to this mission you know to have the breakfast to to stay open at times late um even even you know christmas eve uh, you know, in the snow, all these things that you folks are just so well known for there at uh, Central United Methodist. Right. It's absolutely rooted in our faith, which is inspired by the teachings of, uh, of course, Jesus Christ is our foundation. And then the preacher, John Wesley, who lived a few hundred years ago and has left us wisdom and guidance and uh, a few of those archaic words. So like that third one, attending to the ordinances. Uh, what is an ordinance these days? We don't use that very often. Um, but we use that phrase. Um, we've modernized it, actually one of our bishops said, you know, what he meant was stay in love with God. And the way you do that is by attending to the means of grace. And so um, in order to do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God, those three simple rules, we believe that there's really two expressions of grace that everyone needs to have in their individual life and every church needs to have in their community. And so the first are works of mercy. This is the grace that we extend to people, the love that we give to people, and by helping them physically 
spiritually and those who need physical things. So the helping the hungry, serving those who are hungry, helping to provide housing, um, visiting the sick, visiting those in prison, giving generously to others in need, seeking justice, helping to end oppression and slavery. That was something that John Wesley in, in his day was specifically advocating that Methodists should uh, work against slavery to end that practice. So those are those works of mercy and then there's the works of piety, the things that you typically think of when you think of church. You think of uh, reading scripture, praying together, maybe even fasting sometimes, um, having that opportunity to gather for corporate worship, for a group together to read scripture, not just by yourself, but with others. So for us, it's a balance. No individual life and no church is complete if you're only expressing grace through mercy, but you skip the works of piety and it's no good if you're only focused on those works of piety without any opportunity for your faith to live out through those works of mercy. Yeah, I can tell you, uh, as I mentioned to you, Natalie and I were married uh, at Fairlington United Methodist, and, and I can tell you uh, I've always felt welcome there. And I think that's just one of the, the neat things about uh, the, the Methodist Church is just their way of making people feel welcome, you know, because I'm not Methodist, but um, always have enjoyed going to Fairlington and attending services there. You know, tell us again how big your congregation is, because, you know, I think you're, you're talking about this enormous project, creating a nonprofit, <laughs> rebuilding. I mean, this is like, you know, a serious business. And, and, and we don't want to give the illusion that this is some 5,000-person congregation. <laughs> uh, you know, tell us, how big is this church? So I, I often describe this as a God-sized vision, <laughs> and we are God's people gathered together on Sunday mornings, and a typical Sunday will be about 70 people gathered for worship. 70. Yeah. So we, we have a few more folks, uh, you know, who come, and they're part of what we do in the life of our church. But if you come to join us on a typical Sunday morning, there'll be about 70 folks gathered for worship. So 70 people yes. are building, uh, are going to be starting this nonprofit to build affordable housing. The, you know, listeners, this is the kind of thing that billion dollar real estate trusts and billion dollar governments like Arlington County uh, do. And it's what they wrestle with uh, every year. And to think that 70 people could come together in prayer and reflection and come up with this and execute on this is amazing. Okay, it isn't happening like this today, and I got to tell you, this this is just incredible. I mean, it's really a shining example uh, for us here in Arlington County. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about what does the congregation think about all this? I mean, this you know it took a long time to get to this vision, as you talked about, but just some of the things that people are saying is this has got to be a giddy time. I mean, this is a time of incredible excitement for you folks. It is. It's a it's a mixed time because the congregation has been talking about this for a long time. So there's a few folks who um, at this point think it's taken forever, and I I keep reminding them we're we're in a um, a long term process, and it's actually going really quickly. And so um, there's some people who just want it to, to, to happen and be done so we can be in the new building and be um, excited and have it all finished. And then there's other folks who um, are looking forward to it. They know it's the right decision, but they still are honest enough to say, gosh, it's hard to say goodbye to a hundred year old building where I was married, where my parents were married, where my kids were baptized. And so as we prepare for our last Christmas in the building this year, yep. And as we prepare to say goodbye to those physical spaces that have been holy and sacred for people for 93 years, we're getting a little into the point where we're going, we know this is right, 
and this is hard. So we actually keep rooting ourselves in scripture in that Exodus story, where the people were going through the journey out of slavery, out of bondage, and into freedom. But boy, those 40 years in the wilderness, those weren't easy. That's right. Yeah. And I I keep getting back to this, you know, just for our listeners, this idea of, you know, taking on this nonprofit, this entity, but, but, you know, this idea of building affordable housing, you know, look, you know, if you go to the Arlington County website, you can find these statistics, you know, just since uh, in 13 years from 2000 to 2013, you know, average home prices, sale prices in Arlington have increased by 140%. The average rent has increased by 90%. Try renting a place in Arlington. I mean, I did that when I was single, you know, many, many moons ago, 15 years ago this year. And, you know, I think I paid, I was paying 1300 for a one bedroom. Uh, you know, I can't even imagine what these rents are today. So, you know, just living here is difficult. And it's especially hard on families that, you know, do not earn uh, you know, 200,000 plus a year, uh, families who are maybe like making 60,000 a year and, you know, still want to live here in, and participate in this community. And just the, the openness, the inclusiveness of what you folks are doing really just grabs at me. And, you know, just to clarify, you know, when we're talking about affordable housing, we're talking about, at least as I understand it, two types here, right? We're talking about what's called committed affordable, and those are called CAFs. Right, and these are units that are sort of guaranteed uh, to remain affordable, low, moderate income households for a period of time. Uh, you know, generally thirty to sixty years. Uh, so you know, Pastor Sarah is not going to be raising the rent on those folks. But uh, you know, and and these are made to be affordable, and and you know, they can be rented to people who you know, earning about eighty percent of the median income. And oh, then actually, ours are going to be uh, forty and I'm sorry, they're going to be fifty and sixty percent of the median income. Wow, that's great. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And you know, then market rate, which you know, is, is a little bit higher um, up. So, you know, this is this is a complicated thing. Uh, it is not easily done. And the idea, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking, geez, I'm just one person. I'm just a small group of people. What can I do? Well, you know, look, if you're sitting on the couch at home and you're not involved in this community, maybe you're not even doing simple things like volunteering at ASPAN or AFAC where they need people to hand out food, you know, get off the couch and give it a shot. Maybe take two or three friends. I mean, this is 70 people you know, creating a process and a mechanism that billion-dollar corporations are struggling with. And, you know, go down and try and volunteer. Look, maybe maybe you do it once, you don't like something, keep trying until you find something. Don't sink back into the couch. You know, think about it. It, it took this congregation, you know, many years to come to this conclusion, but they, they've just never given up. And I think that is one of the most powerful messages uh, coming out of this. Um, Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing. You, you want your current mission. You want to expand your mission, but you guys are pretty involved with folks like ASPAN and, and groups like AFAC today with those 70 people. I mean, Absolutely. Well, what are these 70, these 70 people can't sleep at night? I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> but what a great congregation. I've got to get over to, to see you. I work right down the block, and I, I see that sign, Welcome at Noon. But you know, tell us a little bit more about some of the things the 70 people are doing. Sure. Well, actually, you, you mentioned the first thing. It's Wednesday. Every Wednesday from noon to 1, we open the sanctuary for prayer, and it's primarily folks like you who work in the Boston neighborhood. We've got a few folks who live in the neighborhood um, because prayer really is the foundation of everything that we do. When we're serving other people, it's because God's called us to that through our times of prayer. Um, Every Thursday night after work, if you're done with work, you can swing by our kitchen at 6 p.m. and that's where we prepare food. We're going to maybe chop the carrots and peel the potatoes and get the food ready for Friday morning for that breakfast I mentioned earlier. Um, It's amazing the partnerships that our church has been able to 
platform. We have a partnership with Ace Span, the Arlington Street People Assistance Network. Every Friday morning, two of their staff members come. They come at 8 o'clock at the church, but we actually open the doors about 5.30 for anyone that wants to come in, maybe uh, enjoy the air conditioning in this season or enjoy the uh, heat in the wintertime. And we serve a hot breakfast and a lot of the food, the fresh vegetables, some of the fruits, and also the proteins, the, the roasted chicken, that comes to us from donations from AFAC, the Arlington Food Assistance Center. They deliver on Thursday afternoons, and uh, sometimes I describe it a little bit like the church version of chopped. You never know what you're going to get, and sometimes <laughs> you got to Google what that vegetable is. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. you got to make do. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But we have an incredible team in the kitchen. Gene uh, and Jeannie Cross are really the ones who were here 10 years ago on that prayer walk. And Gene uh, was one of the guys bringing donuts and drinking coffee. And his wife came in one day, and she's the one who started with the vegetables because she saw all these guys sitting around eating donuts by the dozen. And she said, we can do better than this. Right. That's right. I mean, we think of the homeless, you know, they or people who need, need a meal. You know, uh, again, this is all about the state of mind. I, I always say, you know, because we... We walk by these folks in Boston, and I often will stop and chat with people. And, you know, what I always think is, you know, geez, if, if you go look in your medicine cabinet and you didn't have your blood pressure medicine and you didn't have this pill and you didn't have that pill, you, you might find yourself out on the streets a little confused. Yeah. Right? So, you know, better off but not better than. And, uh, you know, the, the folks that you mentioned really strike me because you always find a couple people like that in an organization. And yet so many of us say, oh, I couldn't be like Jeannie. I couldn't be like this person. But, you know, they step up, right? Mm-hmm. And they stay with it for a long time. And I think that's one of the things we always challenge our listeners to do is, you know, get out there, try some things and, and find something that you want to commit 10 years to because I guarantee you that couple you just described are smiling. Absolutely. Right. They're, they're, they're excited, even at their age. I mean, they're excited to be doing these things. And that's the richness that comes from grace, from this sort of undeserved uh, affection that we receive from people. When we're not looking for anything. They're not looking for trophies. They're looking to help in this community. And there's so many of us today are just seem almost bitter uh, that there's sort of this just general mood of anger in the country mm-hmm. about this and that. And I always say, you know, just, just walk down the street and maybe say hello to an elderly neighbor that no one speaks to. You know, if you want to add some worth to your day and value in your life, just do something small like that and see how you feel. And maybe you'll realize you are important, and so is the person next to you, no matter who they are, of what age, what religion, you know, what race. And I think that is one of the biggest things that, you know, we push for in Grace and 30, is this idea of, of you know, providing some level of sacrifice or service to somebody See how that makes you feel. You know, I think that's going to change a lot of the moods around here. Um, look, I, I, I want to stay on this idea of helping the homeless. You were mentioned in an article uh, <laughs> recently uh, that was about Dr. Matthew Shank, the president of Marymount University, uh, who came here and uh, was about to give a, a big keynote speech uh, at a homeless uh, foundation organization here in Arlington and realized he didn't know anything about homelessness. So uh, he put on his, his uh, oldest clothes, didn't shave, uh, and headed out on the streets uh, to sleep and spend a night as a homeless person. And, you know, he had this incredible experience where, you know, he felt rejection. He felt alone. You know, he felt the very basic needs as he spent the entire night. As he said, he was just desperate for a bathroom being a yeah. middle-aged man. But there's, you know, one thing he really praised in that, because he did go into some places and, and 
you know, no one would recognize him. No one would recognize him as a human being. And he said he popped into your place looking for uh, a hot meal of some kind. He was a little confused on the times. I think people <laughs> tried to help him out. But he popped into your place, and uh, you guys were busy, and you kind of dropped everything and tried to help him. Tell us a little bit about that night with Dr. Shank. Sure. Well, I, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting Dr. Shank until the Ace Fan Coming Home Breakfast, which is where he shared his testimony. So on that Thursday night, it was a typical Thursday for us, and so that meant there was a lot of uh, things happening in the kitchen. We're preparing the casseroles for the next morning and getting those vegetables ready for Ace Fan. We also pack lunches so that when folks leave on Friday, they can take lunch. So that's typical. And we really welcome anybody who wants to volunteer. So we get a lot of folks we never met before. They come in the door. They heard about us from a friend, found it on the internet. There's a meetup once a month with the JCs. So I'm used to having all sorts of folks I've never met before come in. So he came in, and I never make assumptions based on appearance. And so I didn't know if he was there to volunteer. He did have a backpack with him, uh, but he looked really confused. And so I made a point of going up to connect with him. And uh, he asked about dinner, and um, he clearly was looking for St. John's Episcopal Church, which is just down Fairfax, and they were having a dinner that night. And I said, well, we're prepping uh, for our breakfast tomorrow, but we're going to have dinner together in a little bit. You're welcome to stay. And he didn't quite want to stay. And then he said the key words to me. He said, can you tell me how to get to Roslyn? Because Ace Band told me I can sleep there tonight. And that's when I went, oh, this is someone that I can offer some specific assistance to. And I said, well, you know, I've got a, a Metro card if you'd like one, because it's, it's a bit of a walk from Boston to Roslyn, at right. least for me it is. And he had a big backpack. And so he didn't want the Metro card. And then I said, well, you're welcome to stay for dinner before you go. And he didn't want that, but he was happy to take a banana. I think at, I think at a certain point I had just pestered him with enough offerings. He really took the banana out of pity, I think. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is you didn't send him down the street to St. John's. You know, you didn't. <laughs> He didn't say, hey, you know, we're busy here. There's another place. There's another faith or someone who can help this guy out. I'm going to send him on his way because we're busy here. In fact, you stopped everything and invested a lot of time with him and even offered him a meal at your table. And I got to tell you, he, you know, to me, you know, I always say you were the good shepherd that night because you were the only person who actually, you know, extended him any kindness at all, but really took the situation in your own hands and, and really tried to bring him into the fold, yeah. right? And say, hey, let's let's stop what we're doing. We're busy. We've got a mission here, but this one soul walks in off the street and needs our help. Let's drop everything and see if we can offer him food, transportation, uh, you know, whatever he needs. Um, this just just amazing. I, I got to get over to meet these 70 people, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, look, we're going to take a quick break here, give uh, Pastor Sarah a chance to uh, catch a breath, maybe get a drink of water, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Grace in 30 on WERALP, Arlington, 96.7 FM. We're talking with Pastor Sarah Harrison McQueen from Central United Methodist Church in Boston and their mission to form a nonprofit that includes affordable housing and expand their mission here in the Arlington area. This is 70 people, folks, doing an amazing act. Uh, look, welcome back. Hey, Sarah, um, look, there's one member of Central United Methodist I want to spend some time and talk about, and that's you. Okay. Um, tell us, uh, you know, pastor by day, uh, you know, radio show host of the future by night. I mean, look, there's not a lot of people who are, uh, you know, that bold to jump on the air. You know, tell us um, a little bit about yourself and why this new mission of, uh, you know, including affordable housing and expanding your outreach 
here in Arlington means so much to you personally. Sure. You've got a personal, good personal story here being a local local person. I do. I do. I was raised in Arlington. And in fact, I really believe that God can use anything in your life for God's glory and for the kingdom. And I am amazed at the way that really um, I have never been able to be an Arlington resident without living in some kind of affordable housing. So when I was newly born as an infant, my family lived in those market rate affordable housing over by uh, Fort Myer. We were in those lovely garden apartments. And then um, after that, we moved into a single family home in Cherrydale that we rented. And the only way we were able to do that was in addition to paying rent, my mom worked uh, to be the uh, childcare provider for our landlords. And so that was really the only way we could afford to live there in that neighborhood. And now, of course, as a pastor, I'm living in the parsonage. So the church owns the home where I live now. And so I have never been able to live in this county paying rent. I've never been able to live because of the housing market. And so I am amazed that God really used my experience to give me a heart for helping to create housing that maybe I could have lived in as a child. My parents uh, were wonderful, hard workers. My dad is still actually to this day a bus driver for Arlington County Public Schools. That's great. My mom uh, at the time was a nurse at Arlington Hospital. She's moved over to Inova Fairfax now. And uh, it's just one of those things where um, those professions don't pay enough to own a single family home in Cherrydale. They just don't. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we think about this concept of affordable housing as if it's someone else's problem, right? And, you know, I, I grew up in a very blue collar family. My father was a steel worker in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, we lived in a town where you could buy a house for $40,000. You know, and he had his uh, station wagon every once in a while. And, and, you know, we were a very happy family. But, you know, you're talking about people who have, you know, county employees, uh, you know, professional nurses. It's a struggle. You know, my wife's a nurse. Nurses, you know, are do an amazing job. We need them here in Arlington. We need them at the hospital. We need them at our outpatient clinic uh, down there on Carlin Springs. We need them here at, at the place here on uh, Fairfax. We need them all over the place. Uh, we need bus drivers. We need people who work for the county and do these important jobs. And uh, these folks don't have places to live in Arlington because, uh, you know, we've, uh, you know, seen the real estate market go up so much here. Uh, you know, it's almost like we become trapped, right, in our, sort of a train that, that runs into its, uh, its caboose. Um, so, uh, you know, absolutely, as we think about, you know, this mission, uh, you know, we're not just talking about, you know, helping the homeless. We're talking about helping people who otherwise cannot afford to live in Arlington County with the critical services uh, that we need here in the county. Um, look, we're, we're at about four minutes left in the show. Um, we always ask our guests to give uh, sort of two calls to action. One is kind of a general call to action for our listeners, and then one specifically about, uh, about what you folks are doing at Central United. Sure. So I've been thinking a lot about this. You know, every Sunday, I, essentially, I have a call to action. That's the point of my sermon. And so I was thinking if, if this listening audience were sitting in the pews on Sunday, what would I challenge them to do? And so I would challenge them this week to experience grace. And that, I mean very intentionally experience grace. So earlier when I mentioned those works of mercy by visiting the sick, visiting those in prison, feeding the hungry, giving generously, or praying, reading scripture, gathering for worship, one of those, one of those, practice that this week. Doesn't matter which one, doesn't matter what faith tradition you're part of or no faith tradition at all. That's right. These are practices of grace and love. And so I'm gonna challenge each person listening right now to select one of those, to practice it this week, and then to pause and reflect about 
what was that experience like? What might they be called to do next? Not just a one-time thing, maybe a daily thing, maybe an opportunity to grow in a new area of life. You know, one of the areas of my life about 10 years ago when I entered ministry, I um, had student loans that were as much as my annual salary, like many young people do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so I didn't feel like I could be generous. I couldn't tithe. I couldn't give. T- when we talk about tithing, giving 10%. I just couldn't afford it. And so God worked in my life in that area to learn how to be generous and transformed my spirit. And I'm married to a man who is by very nature generous, abundantly generous. And so it really took years and years for my heart to be ready to be generous like my husband is just by nature. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, and you talked about, you know, people in prison, but you know, there are more than just physical prisons, yes. right? We know people every day who are you know they don't take care of themselves they they're in situations that they feel they can't break out of and that's also a very hard mission of grace is to reach out to someone maybe it's a family member a brother or sister that you know hasn't been taking care of themselves for 20 years uh you know or maybe they've got issues or maybe they've got you know this problem or that problem and it's just become a prison for them so you don't have to go off to the, the county jail here mm-hmm. to find people who are in prison and just spend a little bit of time with them maybe you won't make an impact right away maybe it'll take years but maybe it'll bring back a relationship that maybe you've written off a little bit even if you don't admit it so yeah absolutely and and any call to action for uh for central united Methodists alone other than to stop by for sure yeah well absolutely i mean if folks feel called to join us for worship we're there sunday mornings 10 30 a.m but i would also encourage folks to consider coming on a friday morning coming to our breakfast to help serve uh, we open the doors as early as 5 30 a lot of folks will come in early and they'll help serve for a while and then they'll head out to work so uh, we're there until 11 30 on fridays and we welcome volunteers uh, we have all ages come on Thursdays. We have our youngest volunteers are about two and three years old, and they color on those uh, lunch bags that we prepare on Thursdays. Uh, But on Fridays, any adult that wants to help is welcome to come. And thank you so much, uh, Pastor Sarah. We're, we're out of time, but you know, for our listeners, you want to find out more about this amazing group of 70 people, maybe become 71, uh, at Central United Methodist, check out their website at uh, cumcboston.org or at Twitter at cumcboston. We'll also be posting this information on our Facebook and Twitter pages at Grayson30. Um, yeah, we're out of time. Next week, we have Steve Park from Little Lights, a D.C. nonprofit, but uh, this is Sal Dietrich. Uh, signing off from Grayson 30 on WERALP, Arlington, 96.7 FM. Have a great night, and be sure to tune in to Grace.